0: disruption zone opportunity lives where the status quo dies talking to the greatest innovators disruptors and off-the-wall inventors we can scrounge up you laugh you learn you'll be inspired now here are your hosts Leland Conway and Cameron Mills oh my gosh so WDRB posted a, a story About a couple in Spain in their 90s. They've been married 65 years. The wife uh, is in the nursing home and the husband is not. And he comes by the nursing home uh, three or four times a week because the nursing home shut down a year ago and won't allow him to visit his wife. They've set up a window on the ground floor and they roll her in there. And the two of them sit and blow kisses at one another through the window. And the picture that WDRB posted showed them matching their hands up on the glass. Uh, I'm going to get choked up here. Um, I was so angry because WDRB said this is what love looks like. And while that's true, I was angry because I, and I retweeted it and I said, no, this is what government forced separation of families and communities looks like. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I am, um, I've been married 17 years to the most wonderful woman in the world. And um the idea of being forced to be separate from her because of a virus that kills very few of those who actually get it. It would be devastating to me. You'd have to shoot me to keep me away from my wife. If she got COVID and somebody was trying to keep me from holding her hand, you'd have to shoot me. Because I'd rather die than not be in that room. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, this, this age group is obviously vulnerable. They're in their 90s. But they're vulnerable to everything in their 90s. You can die of anything in a moment's notice in your 90s. What happens to Carmen Panzano if her husband Javier dies of a heart attack because he's lonely and she doesn't get to see him come to the window again and they never got to touch hands in the last year? For the love of God, people, stop celebrating what the government has done to our communities and our families with this pandemic. This has been one of the most mismanaged, horribly, horribly mismanaged events in human history. We have killed more people, we have broken more hearts, and we have destroyed more livelihoods than the virus could have ever, ever dreamed of. And when media posts this up, this is what love looks like. No, this is what government tearing families and communities apart with senseless, non-science-based separation, isolation, and shutdowns has done. All right. Sorry I got a little emotional. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't be anything but real. It is what it is. So, I love DRB, by the way. They're, they're the best source for news in Louisville. If you're looking for a, a, a television station that tends to, for the most part, be objective... I love them. I I don't think they meant anything by this. It was just a very... Whoever wrote the tweet, was it was a very bad tweet. It was an interesting story. Actually, if you go read the story, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking if you read the story. I don't think that's what they intended when they wrote it. I just think whoever wrote that tweet was, like, out of touch. That's all. But that brings me to the point of today's um, episode. Um, over-hyping covid mania and there was an article in the UCL, USC, ucla uh, one of the doctors at US, ucla wrote an article about how we have we have wrongly interpreted science in this hype and that we have done more damage than good and so i want to bring on healthcare expert paul siegert um, who works with pcs advisors and we're going to talk about this we're going to talk about the overhype and we're going to talk about some science what some of the science actually says, and how we really should be, frankly, back to normal by now. Uh, And we're going to explain all that, so make sure you stick around for that. Oh, also, real quick, I have an announcement. I'm super excited about this. Um, I am going to be in Kentucky on June 5th for a super awesome conservative leadership conference brought to you by Constitutional Kentucky. Uh, It's the 2021 Conservative Leadership Conference, and I'm going to be one of the speakers, and I am excited. My buddy, Cameron Mills, also. Uh, Speakers include Kim Classic. She was the Republican congressional uh, candidate for Baltimore City in 2020. She fought a very hard battle in a deep blue district. Uh, Cameron Mills, my buddy, my co-host, my co-executive producer, is going to be uh, talking about little eyes upon us. He speaks about his personal relationship with the Lord and the power of influence. I love this message, by the way. You're going to love it. Uh, Angela Mentor leading with passion. And, of course, I will be speaking as well. My topic is cancel culture, big tech, and biased media. Actually, the title of it is Verbal Wars, how big tech, cancel culture, and the media are Dividing and Conquering America. So I'll be there on uh, the 5th of June. Uh, you can go to... It's on the uh, Leadership Conference link is on Brushfire. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to post the link in this post. So you can go to that link, and that's where you can get tickets. There's a limited number of tickets. It's going to be in Shepherdsville, Kentucky on June 5th. And uh, there's going to be a limited number of seats. So... Um, I'll post the link so you can get on there and get your tickets right away. So I'm super excited to be back in the bluegrass for that. So that's my special announcement. And I'll tell you more about that as it gets closer. And uh, you'll be finding things on my social media on how you can actually uh, register and get and get tickets and all that as well as we get closer to the event. But anyway, uh, there you go. Just wanted to make that quick announcement. All right. Uh, real quick, though, I do want to thank our sponsors uh, on the program. Big thanks to Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. If you are in the market for upgrading your kitchen, or maybe you're getting ready to flip your house and the kitchen is the last thing you need to uh, upgrade before you do that, or maybe it's your dream home and everything is right but the kitchen, I highly recommend you call my friends at Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. I've been a customer of theirs. This is why I can talk so passionately about them. The phone number is 502-930-3304, 6200 hit lane. Stop by and see the friendly uh, designers that they have on staff. Michelle, Kelly, George, they would love to talk to you. And if you are looking for a complete redesign of your kitchen, I mean, tearing out walls, doing the whole thing, it ain't scary to them. They do this all the time. So they can do a complete top-down, top-down, down-up, full overhaul, complete turnkey remodel. Or if you're a contractor or a do-it-yourselfer, you already know what you want. They have beautiful cabinets in stock, like all different styles. You can see them on the website. Just go to the website, click on cabinets. It's LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. So whatever type of hard surface countertop you're looking for or even laminate, they have some laminate that's ready for you to just pick up. They'll cut it. You're good to go. Uh, obviously, hard surface is going to be a little bit more of a weight, but they have all the different selections. that You're going to love it. And uh, you can give them a call at 502-930-3304, 502-930-3304, or go to 6200-HIT-LANE. Stop by. Tell them that you heard them on the podcast and that you appreciate, even if you're not ready to do your kitchen yet, but you will be sometime, say, hey, I'm probably going to do it the next year or so, but I just wanted to thank you for sponsoring the Disruption Zone. I would definitely appreciate that. Um, Also, want to thank a new sponsor that we have for the next few months. He is actually a really good friend of mine. Dara Cross Tactical is putting on some amazing concealed carry permit classes here in Kentucky. And even though Kentucky has become constitutional carry, it's actually really important that you get your concealed carry permit. And here's the reason why. Don't you plan on going out of the state every now and then? Don't you want to go on vacation somewhere? Right. Well, if you want reciprocity with the states that honor Kentucky's permit, you got to have a permit. You know, otherwise you're stuck just vacationing in the few constitutional carry states that there are. Plus, you have a responsibility. You have a right to carry. Right. And I believe in constitutional carry. You have a right to carry. But you have a responsibility to carry responsibly. And that is why I endorse Derek Cross Tactical because I've I've known Mark for a long time. He's a combat uh, trained veteran. Um, He's a guy that is passionate about safety. Um, He's passionate about making sure you understand the law, right? That is ground zero for being a responsible gun owner is having a great instructor. And I've also sat through parts of his classes and I've seen him teach. And so not only do I know him as a person and his character, but I've seen the way his class works and it is well worth it. And in Kentucky, to get your concealed carry permit, you need that eight hour course. He's got combined classroom, hands on training, range training that keeps it from being boring. Something else that keeps it from being boring is where he holds his classes. He holds his classes at Undead. Catfish, uh, Catfish Haven, uh, Catfish Haven in Louisville in Jefferson County. So um, <clears throat> that's what I'm saying, right? So check them out. They're going to have classes on the second Saturday of May, June, and July. So for the next three months, second Saturday of May, June, and July. And you can just give them a call, 502-724-5899, Dare Across Tactical, 502-724-5899, or go to their uh, Facebook page, and all the information is on there as well. So let's get into our conversation now with the great Paul Siegert from PCS Advisors talking healthcare, specifically overhyping COVID mania. I oh, am. Yeah. Here we go. Three,
1: two, one.
0: Healthcare, healthcare expert. Can I talk? I can't. I don't think I could talk. I used to be paid to talk. <laughs> healthcare expert, Paul Seeger joining us now, PCS Advisors uh, on the line, talking about the overhyping of COVID mania, I guess, if you want to call it that. Okay, so Paul, first of all, welcome back. It's always good talking to you. And a lot of people really, really loved the conversation, the in-depth conversation we had on the last episode that you joined us on. We were talking about solving the healthcare problem. And uh, we kind of dug into some things, and I got a lot of feedback from folks that they really enjoyed that conversation. So I appreciate it, and I appreciate Great. what you're doing in the medical field. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I came across a story this morning. Uh, WDRB in Louisville had this picture. It was a glass separating uh, an elderly couple, and they were in Spain. And uh, the I believe it was the husband was in the nursing home, and so— the wife would come and see him, and they were touching the glass, matching each other's hands up to the glass. And the mm. television station tweeted, this is what love looks like. And <laughs> I retweeted the tweet, and I said, no, this is what forced separation looks like. And right. these this couple was in their 90s. Apparently, the husband was confined to the nursing home, and because of COVID, they, too, have not been able to— really touch each other for over a year. And I, I kind of, I, I went, you know what, for the love of God, people stop celebrating what government has done to our families and our communities. Now, granted, this is a couple that's very much square in the vulnerable category, mm-hmm. but 65 years of marriage, I'm, I'm sorry, you would have to shoot me, like literally shoot me to keep me away from from my wife of 65 years in that. I mean, even now, I mean, my wife and I've been together for 17 years and if she got COVID and somebody tried to say that I couldn't go in there and hold her hand, Oh, dude, there'd be hell to pay. You know what I mean? So I
1: Yeah, well, especially that, when the science doesn't even support that.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and and the fact that the media is trying to pull on our hearts. Oh, I'm like, no, I don't see that and get like, oh, that's so cute how love this. No, I go, I'm mad when I see that because I cannot imagine the emotions that that poor couple is going through. And by the way, you can die of anything at 95 in a moment's notice, including loneliness and separation right. from your family.
1: Yeah, right. Well, you know, this whole thing has been so highly politicized. You have 18,000 medical experts that have signed a a thing called the Great uh, Barrington Declaration, and it includes Stanford uh, public health experts from Stanford University, Harvard, other very respected institutions that have all come together to say that the lockdowns have been ineffective and were not the right thing to do. Mm And the costs associated with the lockdowns in terms of mental health, in terms of all the other uh, health issues that people can face that they weren't able to adequately deal with because they weren't able to go to the doctor and do the normal things that they needed to do, that those costs way outweighed the benefits of these lockdowns. And when they were asked – I read a recent article here since we last spoke about it – and when they were asked why why they think this has all happened – and their response was, we haven't last over the, in the within the last year, it hasn't been very possible to have a rational, science-based conversation about this, right? <laughs> because it's so highly politicized. Well, uh, and-, and you see it with Texas. They they lift the the mandate, the lockdowns, and the mass mandates, and the numbers fall. And when the the people that are on the media all the time are asked why did that happen, uh, they don't really have a good answer for that. But the science does.
0: Well, and you bring up a really good point because there was an article uh, that you referenced earlier um, in – I believe it was in the Wall Street Journal by a doctor. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his last name. I'll say Ladapo. He's Mm -hmm. a professor at UCLA at the School of Medicine. And he wrote an article about overhyping this. And one of the things – the paragraphs that really jumped out at me was – he said, COVID mania has also wreaked havoc on science and its influence on That's policy. Right. While scientists' passion for discovery and improving health has fueled research on the novel coronavirus, COVID mania has interpreted scientific advancements through an increasingly narrow frame. There's only been one question, writes Ledeppo, Um, How can scientific findings be deployed to reduce COVID-19 spread? It hasn't mattered how impractical these measures may be. Discoveries that might have helped save lives, such as better outpatient therapies, were ignored. This is so true Mm -hmm. because they didn't fit the desired policy outcome. The desired policy outcome, for whatever reason, was control of people's lives, economic lockdowns, I believe, because Orange Man bad and they wanted to they wanted to manipulate an election, which I think they successfully did. I don't subscribe Mm -hmm. to the. Theory That the election was, quote unquote, stolen. Was there fraud? Yes. Was it stolen outright? No, it was manipulated successfully by the mainstream media, the left and co-opting science in this way. And this is a very good point. We talk about narrow frame because, you know, we would we would hear politicians say if it saves one life. And we would respond, yeah, but if it saves one life and kills 10. And now we're, we're now starting to see the numbers that I predicted years ago. There was an article – or not years ago, over a year ago. There's an article in – the, I think it was the Herald-Leader about how um, talk of suicide and threats of suicide have gone up among young people in a massive way because mm-hmm. of isolation of those young people. So we're starting to see the fruits now of our very myopic, very narrow um, interpretation of how to deal with COVID.
1: I mean, you you look at the 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 myths, we've talked about it before, but just the limited messaging or kind of it's, we omit when we talk all the mainstream media discussion around herd immunity omits the fact that you get immunity from having got COVID. Right. Uh, right. Whereas these folks, these true experts, public health experts from these highly respected universities, not only in our country, but around the world. Their their message is that the most compassionate approach is to balance the risk and benefits of reaching herd immunity, is to allow those who are at minimal risk of death to live their lives normally and build up herd immunity to the virus through natural infection. Yeah. While better protecting those who are at highest risk, focus on the high risk categories, which is what they did a good job of in Florida, mm-hmm. uh, and were criticized widely in the mainstream media. And then, oops, looks like they may have gotten it right. Right. Uh, and other parts of the world have done the same thing where they focused in on let people live their lives for the most part normally and focus in on high risk groups and protect them and give them the means to protect themselves you know whether that's personal protective equipment access to vaccines uh and and that kind of thing but is it really has it delivered good results to lock down entire populations well the numbers are not are not showing that it has i mean that UCLA doctor that you cited was in his article spoke specifically to California in how poor our results have been in California, despite having some of the most aggressive of these, uh, lockdown approaches.
0: Yeah. So 30,000 foot view and we're kind of dancing around it now, but I, I feel like from about three to six weeks into this pandemic, we knew what we could do, um, and we didn't do it. I believe that we knew at that point that most of life should be able to go on as normal. If you want to throw a mask on people, fine. If you want to throw six feet in between them, fine. But there was mm-hmm. no reason to shut down the economy. Once we got about six weeks in, I think we knew at that point, let's let's separate the elderly. Maybe let's let's do some quarantining in that sense or let's do some quarantining of the sick. Um, but for the most part there there really wasn't ever any reason for us to to completely shut entire societies down and isolate people for such a long time what do you do you think it was simply group think gone mad or or was it something more sinister I know we've talked about politicization I mean I feel like there's a lot of useful idiots but I also feel like there were an elite group of people that were leaders politically and in the media that knew full well what they were doing and they did it anyway.
1: Yeah, I I have to say it's, it was, it's politics Mm -hmm. that's driven the conversation, not science. Now it's been masked as science, you know, but we're following the science crowd, which Bill Maher had a great, (laughs) great, a great opener to his show. When he asked why Democrats
0: were so woefully misinformed about this virus.
1: (laughs) Right. And I, I don't, my uh, positions on, on issues don't always line up with Bill Mars, but they certainly did in this case. Yeah. uh, That you have, uh, when they poll, you know, left leaning people in our country, they are very misinformed and scared as a result of all this media power. They think that if you get COVID when polled, you have a 40 to 50% chance of being hospitalized right. when it is a very small single digit percentage right. chance. Right. And none of the math that, that has been out there in the media getting consumed by the American public has accounted for the fact that eight times more of us have had COVID than were confirmed to have had COVID according to the CDC's on research recently right. released. And so then that you add those numbers in, not only are we already at herd immunity, Uh, With that math, but we you also have to admit that the math and the percentages of people that develop serious illness as a result of this are way less than what we've been saying. Yeah. Uh, And 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 the risk of death is way less than what we've been saying. Not that it isn't a real disease. It's a real disease. Yeah. But but our reaction has been so over the top, and had so many other negative effects that I I hope we can learn from this uh, and. I I'm, I'm frankly not terribly optimistic about yeah. about that, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I hope well, <laughs> we can. I mean, you can't just shut your economy down every time something comes through. And will there be other pandemics? Yes.
0: I think we have learned from this. I think half the country has learned that they can't trust government. And the other half has learned that they can use stuff like this to increase the power of government. And that that unfortunately doesn't advance us from our our red versus no. blue uh, divisive pattern. But I would honestly believe that. I think a lot of people have learned, hey, I can't trust government here. And I think a lot of other people have learned, hey, I can get my political agenda through if we continue these ridiculous policies. Um, Dr. Fauci actually told CNN, he said, quote, it's almost paradoxical that on one hand, people want to be relieved of the public health restrictions, but on the other hand, they don't want to get vaccinated. It just doesn't make any sense. The man isn't even listening to himself. This is a guy who's been telling people for weeks, Get vaccinated, but nothing changes. He's been telling right. people. What's the he, incentive? Right. There's no incentive. He's like telling people, oh, go get vaccinated. Go get vaccinated. But when you do, keep two masks on, stay at home, and maybe by 4th of July, you can have a gathering with very, very close family and friends of a few people. That 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 right there, that he doesn't hear his own, because I mean, why? But But here's the other side of that. This morning, I'm driving back from the gym, and I hear a news report comes on. And it very proudly announces that 50% of Americans have now received at least one dose of the vaccine. And my response to that, as I'm listening to that story on the radio, is then why the hell are so many people still trying to pressure me into getting it? If half the country is vaccinated and essentially more than half the country has had the virus, there's no reason left to worry at all. We can take the masks off. We can take them stupid stickers off the floor at the restaurant that says you have to stay six feet apart. And we can go back to normal if that's the case, right?
1: Well, we we should be able to. There's recent studies that just have come out from the two bigger, the bigger two vaccines that are in use here, the Pfizer, BioNTech and Moderna. And there's been all this media hype. I would have to call it hype because it's not really scientifically based that you once vaccinated, you need to wear a mask still because you can still transmit the virus to others and carry it and so on, da, 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 da. Uh, And what we're finding is, what a lot of rational experts uh, knew all along, they're now confirming with these recent studies that have just come out in the last few days since we last spoke that, oh, good news. If you're vaccinated, it actually does protect you from uh, transmission. So it's an excellent vaccine. It's in the it's in the highest category of effectiveness, not only in preventing illness from the from the virus, but also preventing you from passing it along. So, just taking all the the hype and the politics out of it, why would you continue to wear a mask then? Right. If if you can't transmit it and you can't catch it. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's it's a really weird time that we're all in, and I just saw another article here in the last day uh, about a doctor that stopped wearing his mask because he got vaccinated and he got fired. Jeez. I, I, (laughs) I mean, this is how crazy we've gotten.
0: I think people see this though. I think that, that there's, there's two Americas, right? There's an elitist America who thinks that, and this includes the media, um, much of the elitist left wing and the left wing politicians who believe that we're all stupid and we must be told what to do. They know better what decisions need to be made in our lives and they should be given the power to make them period. That's how they view the world. That is their outlook. And then there's the other America that says, get the heck off my back. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that, that America is pretty smart and that America sees these contradictions and it says, wait a minute, what's the point of a vaccine that doesn't change anything, You, you know, and, and, and people just go and that, 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 the, the fact that that other America, that elitist America, doesn't hear itself, it doesn't think it's poop stinks, they, they don't realize that they're undermining their own case. You know, I had a theory early on, I remember they did, uh, there was a study done on, uh, there were Florida counties that had, maxi, uh, they had uh, mask mandates and one that didn't have a mask mandate. They compared them, controlled for population, and found that the one that didn't have a mask mandate actually had lower cases. And mm-hmm. my theory on that was not that the masks didn't help, okay? It does stand to reason that, you know, a mask would slow down some particles, could potentially lower your chance of getting it. Not solve the problem, but it could lower your chance of getting it. My theory was that in a place where they didn't tell people what to do, they got more compliance. In other mm-hmm. words, people, people would look at the science, they would look at common sense, and they would go, oh, okay, I should probably do this. I think that's that holds true across the board. If these people on the left want compliance with vaccines, if they want compliance with masks, they should stop contradicting themselves. You know, um, these same people six months ago were telling everyone not to get the vaccine because it was made by orange man and therefore it was going to be untrustworthy. And people remember that we have long enough. You know, there's a decided group of Americans that don't remember that don't care and will do whatever they're told. But there's a huge group of Americans that remember that very well and now say we don't trust you. So this is a this is right. Fauci is complaining. decreased
1: public trust as a result of all this silliness.
0: Fauci is complaining about a bed that he made for himself, essentially. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. He's going to go and down if you in look history. At, go ahead. Sorry.
1: Well, I was going to kind of support what you just said there about the 50% having received one dose. The UK at 48%. Uh there's pictures you can go look up pictures of Londoners out at their pubs, hanging out together, rubbing shoulders, and it's not leading to a, you know, big dramatic spike in cases. 48% have had one dose there. Right. Israel, 62%. They were running around 8,000 new cases a day and now it's down into a few hundred. And they've let people kind of return to a normal life. So the the numbers, if you're really paying attention to the science, then a normal life is is frankly, there's really isn't any reason not to be living that right now. Yeah.
0: Now, I'm fortunate. I live in a city where um, in in a state it's kind of funny. Colorado, the governor, I'm going to say this and I don't say this a lot about a lot of left wing politicians and there's not much I agree with him on. He actually did a fairly decent job as compared to other governors, especially other Democrat governors in terms of the state. We never 100 percent shut down the state's economy. They did a lot of things that I think were detrimental and harmful, but they never quite 100 percent shut it down. The state is now turning over to local municipalities the right to decide how they want to proceed with this now. So they have basically said, look, the worst of this is over. You guys decide what you want to do. Here's our recommendations. The mayor of Colorado Springs, where I live, basically said, I will be accepting none of the state's recommend- recommendations. What I am going to do is tell people in my city, you have common sense, use it. You have personal responsibility, use it. That's what the mayor said. And to be honest, that feels good to live in a And you know what? The next day, restaurants were open. People were eating inside again. and That's great. You know, And it, and it feels like normal here, other than just mm-hmm, the masks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that feels good to live in a place where the government just says, you know what? You guys are not, you guys know what to do. You don't, you know what to do. Go do it. I don't know why that's That's so hard. That's what we've
1: lacked in this whole conversation is, uh, you know, when you have people getting kicked off planes because a baby's eating a little bit of food or whatever, we've just gotten to a point of irrationality. That's really, it's crazy. It's truly crazy. And we've got, and we've told people things, lost their trust as we've already talked about, because we've, told them things that maybe weren't true to get them to do certain things and to influence their behavior in mass. And really what we need to do is treat people like adults and say, here's the real risks, 0.01% right. of people under 40 actually have any risk of anything serious. And it's probably less than that. If you go back and redo the math with all of us that have had it, that didn't even know we had it. That's so negligible uh, that it never posed a serious threat to social and economic institutions. And yet they've all suffered right. uh, because of this COVID mania or pandemania, I like to call it. It's my own little version, but we're hell. I'm, I'm glad to say it seems like there's some light at the end of the tunnel well, and there's people more and more people talking about this because we need to uh, come down to reality on this whole topic.
0: So let's move to solutions real quick before I let you go. Um, I think that there's a, uh, there's a bit of a, a backlash brewing uh, for a couple of things on the left, I think cancel culture is getting get ready to get a big backlash. I think um, I think that this this the way that this was handled is getting ready to get a big backlash. And I think it's going to play itself out in the midterm elections. And so I think we're going to see uh, a changing of the guard, if you will, in the House of Representatives. And there's even talk that it could potentially happen in the Senate. That being said, maybe there is light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe there is a lesson that we can take from this and hope that those new leaders that come in um, actually will do the right thing going forward. So from a 30,000-foot view, what, what lessons have you taken from this?
1: Well, uh, we need to actually follow the science and give people the facts. We've done a bad job of that. Uh, you've cited many examples in this conversation today. Of people that were saying they wouldn't take it, that are now on TV encouraging others to take it because of politics. We need to leave the politics out. It seems to me pretty uniquely that we've gone through a major event as a country, and I think it's first time that I can recall where that didn't pull us together mm-hmm. as Americans. You know, I, I, I was a Russian intelligence analyst in my former life, worked for the government, and I, I was in and during 9/11, and I saw how this whole country got so patriotic and pulled together and uh in unified and in this case it seems like we've become more divided. We need yeah. to the care We need to the learn aids. from that. Let's <laughs> yeah, let's let's give people the facts. Be straight with them and they'll do the right thing. But how do you do, mean, do
0: that? How do you do that when one polit- political agenda has a stranglehold on the media and basically the informational flow? Cuz cuz going back to what you were saying, we never once heard real numbers about the cases. You know, the cases were like, mm-hmm. oh, we have thousands of new cases every day, thousands of new cases. growing by money. They were never tying to that the fact that we were testing more people. So we never got a right. real right. a real idea. They made it sound like everyone was dropping dead from the zombie apocalypse when in reality yeah. Oh yeah. We're storing we, we're,
1: bodies in trucks. Yeah. And...
0: We were just testing more people and so we were finding more of the cases. Um uh-huh. so when the media has a stranglehold like that, how do we get real Quality scientific information out to people that isn't biased because the right wing sometimes overreacts the other way. Right. You know, it's right. like, yeah, right. You, you know, I there, there, there's the, the obstinate refusal to wear a mask is also part of what probably led to the loss of other freedoms in some ways. You know, it's like the, these mm-hmm. two sides doubling down on each other led to more right. losses of freedom and more ludicrousness. So how do we do that? How do we release that stranglehold or get that information out?
1: Boy, that's, I mean, that's going to be the biggest problem we face and way bigger than just COVID Yeah. is, and I don't know the answer to that. I know when I've been looking to stay current on what's true and where the facts are and where the science is going with this, the mainstream media hasn't been a good source of information. No. Uh, you know, the Wall Street Journal has been good, actually quite good. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the few left that actually uh reports the facts it seems yeah. certainly in this case that's been pretty consistent throughout covid um they've just put the facts out there in the in the articles that they write and and cited good sources and and so on but that's rare yeah. i mean it's the only one i found or or you can go direct to uh, the cdc's on research and that kind of thing but is the average american going to do that no right so they're going to get it from these major outlets uh, that are not they're entertainment. They're not news. You know, we need to and start. I think we don't have an understanding of that.
0: We need to start encouraging our strong conservative young kids, who not not to right wing eyes media, but to begin the the path to journalism. Um, that you know, we need people that are passionate about true journalism to to build it back up. Because I don't I don't see any other way out of this. I mean, I started mm-hmm. out as a journalist. I'm obviously a commentator now, which means that I'm nowhere near a journalist. I give my opinion. But in the beginning, I remember working in a newsroom and my listeners have heard me tell the story a million times. So pardon me on this. But, you know, I worked in a newsroom, a public radio newsroom, and I was the only conservative in there. My boss was a dyed in the wool liberal. And he just, we were talking one day, and and we started talking about bias. And he said, you know, Leland, he said that no nobody can avoid bias. Everybody has it. It's it's what we it's part of our environment, and how we were raised. He said, what I expect of you and everyone in our newsroom is fairness. And that right. always stuck to me because he, you know, it, it, that was a very mature way to look at it. You know, you can you're gonna you're gonna pick stories based on what interests you, what interests you is going to be built by your environment. But when you do those stories, do them fairly. Get both sides. Get to the bottom of it. Be unafraid to find out what really happened, regardless of who it hurts or harms or whatever. And that that is a part of journalism that is now dead. And I mean that. It is dead. It's mm-hmm. dead. I don't know, other than maybe, like you said, the Wall Street Journal, I don't know, and I say that even with Fox News going the other direction. And, and I, I mm-hmm. appreciate and respect a lot of Fox News. They have some great journalists there. But I mean, all, all above board, above all, overall, is the word I'm looking for. That type of journalism is, for the most part, dead. It's not enforced by editors. In fact, it's discouraged by editors. It takes a very brave person to do what a guy like Gr- Glenn Greenwald does, right? This guy's a left-wing, mm-hmm. he's crazy left-wing. But the guy is a hound for truth, and he had to go start his own thing because being a hound for truth cost him his job. Cheryl Atkinson lost her job because she's a hound for truth. So the ones that do tell the truth are doing so against the power structure within journalism. That's the scary part.
1: And those scientists that you mentioned,
0: those 18,000 scientists that you mentioned, the doctor that got fired, doctors, there was a video taken down by Facebook of a roundtable with Governor DeSantis of Florida the other day, talking about solutions to COVID because it didn't match up with the with with the the prevailing agenda. Are you right. freaking kidding me? Right? Like these? It's brave people that dare to tell the truth. It drives me up the freaking wall.
1: Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. It's an incredible time we're in, and information is is so hard to come by. True information, real fact based information, and science based information in the mainstream.
0: Well, you've dropped some nuggets in this, so that's been, I think, helpful to our listeners. So I appreciate that. Cause, no, because you've really you've dug into some of the science here. You know, the, the 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 one of the most stunning statistics that you've brought up in our last couple of conversations is that eight times the number of people have had COVID than they've than you know they that's the CDC's estimate.
1: And, and they're the most conservative. Others have put it at twelve. Right, and if, so, if it's if, really incredible, if you go somewhere
0: between eight and twelve times, that means the whole country's had it.
1: Yeah, virtually. I mean, right. We're at herd immunity. <laughs> We're <laughs> <Right>. over 90%. <laughs>
0: right. So so now what's going to happen is our bodies are going to adjust to it. It's going to become more mild because that's what viruses do. Viruses don't have a vested interest in killing the host. They want to live. And if they can't right. if they can't spread quickly from one to the other, then what they do is um, – or or, or or if they can't um, – what is it? Like Ebola is very different, right? Everybody gets afraid of Ebola. But Ebola doesn't spread as easily as, say, this kind of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And – This kind of coronavirus, or Ebola is not a coronavirus, but this type of virus spreads quickly enough that it is able to attack and not kill its host and move on. And so as a result of that, what happens with human beings and our bodies and the virus itself, we sort of mutate into a um, not-so-mutually-beneficial partnership. But it happens, and it's it's, it's what happened with the flu, it's what happens with colds, it's what happens with all the viruses. So that's probably what's going to happen now over the next couple of years is it's going to get a little more mild each time.
1: Yeah, and then we're gonna see uh, a big arms race that benefits primarily the drug companies, right, uh, right. and <laughs> they're gonna get everybody to take a booster every year. Yeah, and we're gonna, and the media is gonna support that. Yep. And they're gonna say that we need to get everyone on the globe to take a booster every year and do 40 bucks times our the global population. Good That go, is right. one of the biggest healthcare events in terms of cost <laughs> and business, the business of healthcare yeah. that we've ever seen yeah. in our, in our lifetimes. I mean, period. There's some, It's incredible.
0: Uh, there's some dudes and dudettes in three piece suits that are pretty damn happy right now because oh, yeah. they, got the government. they got the government to help them advertise a product. They didn't have to spend a dime on advertising. There was a COVID vaccine bus in front of my YMCA yesterday.
1: They um, pre-purchased doses, so yep. they paid for the, the development. Yep. And then they purchased four to six times what we all need for our populations in all these big first world countries. You and know, that's, UK, that's why
0: they're telling us we have to Europe, take a booster. yes That's why yeah. so We got
1: a glut now, <laughs> right? A vaccine. You take a booster for we a get disease rid of all this. that is, uh, you know, not that deadly. Right. We've got a glut of vaccine. Yeah. That's and we're going to put it in arms. We got to.
0: <laughs> that's incredible.
1: Now we're going to send it around the world and look. And, you know, to, to countries that are poorer, that don't have the obesity rates that we do that are at even lower risk.
0: Yeah. And uh, you and I are going to pay for that. So, yeah, awesome. we already have. Awesome. <laughs> Paul, it's good talking to you again, man. We appreciate you.
1: Yep. My yep. pleasure. And by the way, day. just
0: tell people a little bit about uh, PCS Advisors, uh, what you guys do, how people can find you.
1: Well, you can find us at PCSAdvisors.com with an ERS, not an ORS. And we work with employers building healthcare. Plans that fix the way that we pay for healthcare in this country. So if so somebody we have great is, healthcare, but we don't pay for it very well.
0: Right. As somebody has a small business or something, and they need some help uh, trying to find a, the perfect healthcare plan, uh, you guys would be the ones to get in touch with, right?
1: Yep. Yeah. Our plans run about from a cost standpoint about half the national average in terms wow. of cost, and we don't haven't done that by jacking up deductibles by putting everybody on a narrow network by, we haven't done that by shifting cost yeah. to the people. We've well, done that by building the plans in the right way and, and getting fair contracting and transparency with vendors.
0: Yeah. And the, the, the folks can go to the last episode that you were on with me and listen to how you talk about healthcare and they're going to know that <laughs> they're going to know that you know what you're talking about. So it's all good. It's a passion. Yep. It's a
1: passion. It's a big problem. We're trying to help solve it.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Paul Seeger. Thanks so much for your time, man. We appreciate you.
1: Thank you. Leo. All Have right. A great bye-bye. Day.
0: So there you have it. I, You know, I, I realize we didn't come up with a lot of solutions in that situation, but I do think there were some interesting nuggets of information that we could take from that. And I don't know if it's one heart at a time, if it's one thing at a time, then, you know, the, that's, that's awesome, you know, and it's positive impact. Um, but it's just it's maddening to me how much devastation has been wrought, how many lives have been lost as a result of the lockdowns. And we're starting to find that those numbers out. I mean, we're starting to get numbers back on suicides and threats of suicide and talk of suicide and, um, you know, problems with, uh, you know, being in a community, you know, with communicating with each other. There's actually I've seen several news stories out about like guides on how to reconnect with your community. You know, government did this to us and they did this to us unnecessarily because they wanted to oust a president. That's what happened. And they manipulated an election. So the media and the Democrats are responsible for everything and all of this destruction that has happened over the last year, in my opinion. And that's got to, we have got, I think there's going to be a backlash electorally. I think you're going to see the House change hands in the midterms, Um, maybe even the Senate. And my hope is that just going from one party to the other doesn't just bring us the parties that the other party has or the problems that the other party has. Representative Jim Jordan, uh, who who I've had on the show before, and I appreciate his, um, his keen wit and sharp tongue, but he posted on Twitter, you know, Democrats want control, Republicans want freedom. And I retweeted his tweet and said, no, actually, both parties want control. But there is a huge number of Americans from all walks of life that really do want freedom And that's what we have to move towards, is freedom and liberty. We have to come back to an appreciation of that. So over the next several episodes, I'm going to try to drop in some nuggets on how we can maybe move towards that because I like solutions, not just complaints. But anyway, really appreciate Paul Siegert coming on. Big thanks to our sponsors, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, for supporting the program. Um, I am a customer or have been a customer of Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. That's why I can talk about them with such passion because I know the work that they do. They actually did a wonderful job on our kitchen in Louisville. And I believe that it's part of the reason the house sold in less than a day. Um, it really, uh, it really was terrific craftsmanship and work. And I love the work ethic of his crews, Tim Montgomery call them now at five Oh two 502 nine three Oh 33 Oh three Oh 33 Oh four. Talk to Kelly or George or Michelle. Those are the designers on staff. They're going to help you put together the kitchen of your dreams. Now, if you're a do-it-yourselfer or a contractor and you already know what you need, they've got really high-quality, super beautiful cabinets in stock uh, that they are ready for pickup right now. And if you don't believe me, go to the website and click on cabinets and then in-stock cabinets, and it's going to pull up a page, and you're going to see <laughs> the amazing styles that are available. Everything from like super sleek and modern, super dark, super light, super rustic uh you know, Shaker, whatever style you're looking for. Man, they've got them. High quality, great prices. Check them out. It's Louisville Cabinets at Countertops.com. Louisville Cabinets and Countertops.com. 6,200 hit lane or just give them a call uh, at that phone number that I mentioned earlier, 502 930 3304. Also, I want to thank a new sponsor that we have. Uh, for the next couple of months, my friend, Mark Dara, Dara Cross Tactical, um, they are going to be putting on some pretty awesome concealed carry permit classes. And I actually, I've seen Mark instruct. We've been friends for a while, and I've seen his instruction. I've sat in on part of his classes. The guy is a terrific instructor. If you've been thinking about getting your concealed carry permit, look, now's the time to do it. Uh, Full disclosure, I work in the firearms training industry. I see these classes all the time. They are growing. People from all walks of life are coming. It, and it is exciting to me to see new gun owners. But I want you to be a responsibly armed American. I really do. That is like a huge I – am, I am as passionate about being responsibly armed as I am about being armed. I am as passionate about being responsibly trained as I am about being able to actually practice the Second Amendment. And so I highly recommend cross Tactical for your next concealed carry class. Uh, whether you're renewing your permit or um, or renewing your certificate so that you can renew your permit or you're moving into Kentucky from another state and you need to get your permit in Kentucky or you've just never had it before and you've been thinking about it, now's the time to do it. Do it now. Um, but I, I love it. And Dara Cross Tactical, you can find out more about them by going to their Facebook page. And it's Dare Cross Tactical. It's spelled D-A-R-R-A-G-H. Or you can just give Mark a call at 502 724 or excuse me, 5899. They're going to have some classes. It's a combined classroom, hands on, and range training in a single eight hour course that meets Kentucky's CCDW requirements. And it's taught conveniently at Catfish Haven in Louisville in Jefferson County. So uh, you can get some awesome, delicious catfish, munch on that while you're learning some really powerful stuff. Uh, classes are the second Saturday of May. June and July. So the second Saturday of May, June and July. The next 3 months, second Saturday. So just call 502-724-5899 or go to Derekross Tactical Facebook page. Thanks to uh D- uh excuse me, JP Web Design. For their uh, help with our program, and also to Dynamics Audio Productions in Lexington for their audio help for this program, and my co-host and Good for Nothing executive co-producer Cameron Mills. Thank you for listening. Download us at Apple Podcasts, iHeart uh, iHeart uh, Radio, and Google Play. It's a free download. Give us a five-star review. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Disruption Zone. I'm Leland Conway.